previously on Quest Friends. All right, so we got me, kid, shock, not kid, Misha, not kid, right? Right. Are there any other not kids? Sarah. What? Turn off the death machine. This is Sarah. She's tenacious, she's transgender, and she's a whole heap of trouble. She built a death machine throwing axes. <sighs> Sarah. It's fine. You sound like mom. Uh, and she smiles a little bit at that before presenting one of the two honeycombs with to you. Ellie didn't go back. The third deck of the Prodigious is a pit. The third deck, which is where the uh, third class or the youngest, the freshman students of the Prodigious go, is clearly less ornate than the rest. It almost feels as if they designed this school and then realized they didn't have enough space to fit everyone. So they just thought they'd put all the extraneous, unnecessary students in with the garage and in with the engines. Hop, you make your way through the dark, creaking, creepy, cavernous caves of the third deck of the Prodigious. You see a couple of the cleaning bots just slowly scuttering about. These ones seem broken, like one of them you can see is just... It's just kind of like fizzing around. One of them seems to be almost like chain smoking and has a grizzly robot beard. He's like, yeah, my fourth day on the job. Um, We've only been in the air for half a day. Well, feels like four days to that grizzled uh, veteran of a, of a janitor bot. Or robot days. And so it's just straight out of a horror movie. You can hear like what feel like carts moving along this uh, runners along the ceiling, like the ones that Virgil was on. It sounds as if there are carts just shooting around, echoing through the halls. At one point, a spark from the ceiling falls onto a puddle below, and just this light illuminates a horrifying figure above you. It's gigantic and spotted red and has millions of giant mechanical bug legs. And then you realize it's just the ladybug. Am I walking past where the ladybug is stored? Yes, the garage, which you can see that it is stored between two crudely made dorm rooms. Because you, Hop, are walking through the pit of the third deck towards your room. So the room is literally just next to the garage. And as terrible as this pit is, it does not compare to the pit in Hop's stomach. Well, I was going to say, Hopper barely even notices. This may as well be just a reflection of Hopper's inner turmoil. Like, he's so upset with other things that he doesn't even care about the squalor <laughs> he's been subjected to. Like, what would be the point of caring, you know? You'd have to have energy for that. So, uh, with the pit in the stomach, you make your way through this pit to your room, which has a little ID thing on the side where you can put up your ID and it unlocks the door. Except the uh, doorknob is just broken open, so the door is just pushed open and shut by the breeze, and you don't even have to open it yourself. Oh, that's good. Hopper kind of like looks at it a little bit, and then seeing no other option, will like gently push it open so he doesn't surprise anyone who's in his room. He's polite even to maybe intruders, he doesn't know. (laughs) Uh, Give me a perception roll. I haven't tested any of my dice because... What would be the point? (laughs) Yeah, I am futile today. 
Hey, I got a 14. Oh, cool. <gasps> Did I succeed? Great news, you succeeded. Oh my god. Bad news, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um. So you open the door and you see a room that is echoey and drafty, but also very small, the size of maybe a broom closet. You can see there are two molding mattresses on bunk beds, which are precariously placed on top of each other. You can actually see one of the four poles holding them up. It's just a pile of bricks. Hopper will groan at the bricks, the bricks specifically. <laughs> Hop knows immediately that he has to make sure he keeps his head on the other side of the brick. Otherwise, he'll hear them whisper to him in the night. Yeah, he is savvy to that. Just another thing to deal with. It's fine. All right. So this is this is your home sweet home. Uh, how do you how do you make yourself at home? What do you do when you enter? Is there anyone else in the room? There is not anyone else in the room. It is you, two bunks and a hat in your hand. So Hopper would close the door behind him with his foot. It just creaks back open to where it was, but he made his best effort. And he is kind of holding this hat. And he just stands there for a second because one of the first things he thought when Misha presented him with this hat and made that really nice speech was, I think they're misplacing their faith. I don't know that I can work my way up to deserve this. Not even in the sense of how he didn't think he deserved his Hopper Scotch hat, and that's why he left it behind. Like, he thinks Misha's energies are tragically diverted right now to cheering him up. But he likes the hat, and he's touched, and he's just really emotional with a lot of conflicting feelings. So he'll put it on the top bunk, like just gently lay it down there, and then flop down on the bottom bunk and stare at the ceiling, or rather the bottom of the top bunk. Drip, drip, you stare, drip, 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 you stare, drip, 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 your eyes flicker as you're knocked out of your like kind of zoned out nature for a little bit as you start to hear a voice yelling through the hallways. I don't understand why they put me down here. This is completely ridiculous. Don't they understand that I am the great Vespari and I should not be involved in such trash? This is complete and utter nonsense. Where on earth is this terrible room where they put me? They better not keep me up late at night. This is absurd. And the voice gets louder and louder and you hear these uh, kind of squishy footsteps. <laughs> and then they stop at your door. <laughs> and the door pushes open and you see this tall, gangly man with a thin, waxy face and a deep, deep frown. And he looks at you and stares for a second and then just says, I call Top Bunk. So, Shock, Misha, Ellie, Zoe, Everett, Jesse, it's about uh, maybe three minutes after you've left the dining room. Misha disappeared for a few seconds, but uh, quickly caught up to the group. You've gone up one floor onto the second deck, kind of where the, the middle years live. It kind of looks like uh, just the middle of the road dorm room. Like there's a little stank. There's still a little stank, but not too much stank. Uh, and half the time the stank is just bad cooking. So there's a handful of kitchens. You can see there's some classrooms because the dorms and the uh, classrooms are kind of combined. But it's relatively nice. It's warm. There's lots of room uh, to breathe. And you're just making your way down, uh, maneuvering through a few hallways on your way to your dorm rooms. And after maneuvering a little bit, you get to the end of a hallway. And you see three rooms. And all of your wing pals light up. 
And because all the notifications are on the wing pals, they have the thing that dorm rooms have where there's like, you know, this really fancy theme and decoration. So this theme seems to be the Zev. People got really into the musical Calival. So it's like you see Hi Father Calival, you see the Zev, but instead of having your names on it, it just says you. It's giving me such horrible RA flashbacks right now. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, uh, your numbers light up. On the right door, Zoe walks over and it lights up and she's just like, uh, oh, okay. And she hesitantly pops her ID up to the wall, the door, and you hear as it unlocks, because unlike Hop's room, these ones actually have doorknobs. And she tentatively opens it up and you can see her hair kind of fizzle a little bit. And she's like, uh, uh, hi, uh, I'm Zoe. I hope we can be friends. And from inside the room, you hear a voice say, Hi, I'm Megan. I like you. <laughs> and Zoe's hair settles down and kind of turns into like a fish-like shape. And she claps her hands and she walks into that dorm room. <laughs> uh, and then she pops her head out and she's like, Oh, oh, good night, Mom. Uh, do you, will you be able to find your way to your room okay? Yeah, I got it, Zoe. <laughs> okay, I just wasn't sure because that's... You know it's not on this floor, right? It's it's up a floor? Yeah, thanks, Zoe. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and then she goes back in. I just want to mention that Ellie doesn't know that this is the face of a proud parent, like, watching their child board the school bus for the first time. But this is the face that she has. What face? Oh, the face of a proud parent? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I thought you were, like, making a face or, like... No. Okay, so uh, who wants to figure out, find out their roomie first, Shock or Misha? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll volunteer. Shock will step up to the plate and approach the door of his room. Da-ding! And it unlocks. And before you can hit it, you just hear a lazy thump, 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 as Everett, who also had his wing pal up is just kind of lazily slouched against the thing and letting his rapier hit the wall. Oh, uh, hey, I guess we're living together now, which we already were doing. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I I can't open the door, though. What? I can't open the door, and he just leans against it harder. Are we outside the room still? Yeah. I turn the doorknob? And it slowly opens up, and he's like, oh... Okay. And and actually, he, he still stands in the doorway and doesn't go in. In other circumstances, Shock probably would have obliviously gone on to explain uh, that not everyone may know this, but this is how doors open sometimes <laughs> with the use of knobs. You're every man on Twitter. Every single one. Even my good fictional boys can't resist the urge to mansplain. No one gets to make fun of Hopper anymore. <laughs> In his defense, though, Shock isn't doing it. Shut up, Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Shock, in perhaps a rare moment of perceptiveness, uh, is well aware that things aren't really okay with everyone. Like, they've been through some shit. Everett just doesn't seem good. So Shock Shock just sort of looks around uncomfortably and then says, um, we should probably figure out where, where we're gonna sleep in this new place that'll that'll be a useful use of our of our time oh yeah because our door doesn't open so we could all have a slumber party
And then you hear a slam as Everett has walked in and slammed the door shut. Shot, I guess. Shock will actually just stand there for like a good five to ten seconds in the hallway, uncomfortable. Hey, Shock. Uh-huh. Can I talk to you over here? And I want to step to the side a little bit and beckon him over. Uh, uh, y- y- yeah, what's what's up? I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of like, uh, we're going to lower our voices so that <laughs> the rest okay. of the group can't hear. Just so you know, I'm not sure if that's like. A thing you're familiar with. Do you understand whispering? I've recently been practicing being sneaky, so yes, I understand being quiet. The stealth of words. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Kyle. Shock. Moff told me to look after the kids, and I'm trying, but... You don't have to do it alone. We can help. I don't, I don't know how to help Everett, but he's not gonna listen to me. Well, lots of people don't listen to me, but maybe we can do something. Just, can you try to make sure he's not always alone? Shock will nod, like with a serious look on his face. But that was a genuine serious nod. Will you be his friend? Basically, though, friends. Will you be his friend? She's basically like, hey, small child, be my other small child's friend. Meanwhile, in the other, at the end, other end of the hall, we're at the last door with Misha and uh, Jesse. And Jesse's just sitting there tapping their foot. And they're like, well, this is tough because if Everett doesn't want an, us in our room, I mean, I completely understand. Well, I mean, I kind of under, if that's what he wants, that's, that's totally okay. But like, uh, I don't. I don't know how to open this door. And you can see right by their foot, their ID is just on the ground because it looks like their wing pal fell out of their pocket. Oh, Jesse. And they just keep musing to you, Misha. They're like, oh, we could sleep in the ladybug. Uh, I, I assume Misha notices the ID card in the on the floor. Yeah, I'm assuming Misha knows how this works. Okay, okay. I didn't know if, if that was a given thing. So... Um, I guess in that case, Misha is going to reach for uh, Jess's ID card and say, um, I do believe I watched the others open it with this. So why don't you give this a try? Oh. I believe you just put it in here and then they're going to put Jesse's ID card on the thing. The door is going to open and Jesse's just going to be really excited. Be like, how did you do that? Do you do magic? Oh, wait, no, you do do magic. That must be how. And they uh, they walk into the room. <laughs> Misha is going to wave their hand goodbye at <laughs> Jesse going into the room. Oh. Yeah, hello room, hello! And they go and they wave to the room too. Oh. We, we both go in here, see? And they point to a bunk bed. Oh, 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 Je- Jesse's my room. I thought they were like two rooms and Jesse was going into their room and Misha was going into their own. Oh, sorry, no. <laughs> so there were two rooms. One is Jesse and you and one is uh, Shock and Everett. Uh, okay, see then. Can we keep that though? Because I really like Misha just being confused for a second and being like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> I'm just gonna hang out here. The unintentional shade. No, I can I can spin that because 
actually, I guess, Misha, they don't really necessarily know what to do in a room uh, over like the night because they would rather like exploring the place so they can be like, ah, dear Jesse, I might come back here later to talk, but uh, I believe you can get set up in whichever bed you want since I do not sleep and I will just go and walk around this place instead. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, unless you want me to accompany you for some time in the room, I can do so as well. Oh, no, 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 that's that's okay. I'll come with you. <laughs> and Jesse pops out of the room already in their footy pajamas <laughs> and is just ready to walk along the prodigious with you. Misha would say, oh, I, I appreciate this, Jesse. I would just want you to know that I don't require of the sleep that humans do, so I might take longer. Uh, to to do it you you can certainly come with me but if you become tired at any moment we can head back to the room jesse just pulls out a flashlight they're ready to go <laughs> okay i suppose you can come with me then and i don't know if i derailed your story no i just wanted to know what you did over the course of the night i don't know let's go <laughs> so over the course of the night misha and jesse just walk along the prodigious jesse is up the whole time i i don't i don't to keep Jesse like sleep deprived. Misha is just very non like. Well, does Misha ever go back to the room? Mm, no. <laughs> then Jesse is up all night. Well, you might get 15 minutes of sleep because the thing is, you know, when someone gets so tired, they get like overactive. Yeah. That happens in stages for Jesse. So it's overactive, then over overactive, then over over overactive, and eventually they're just bouncing off the walls. I guess at some point, just to not derail this too much, Misha would notice that Jesse is acting too weird. <laughs> so they are gonna just take Jesse to the room and put Jesse on a bed <laughs> and say, I believe that you are in the need of, of the human sleep. <laughs> I uh, I usually notice humans have a different reaction to lack of sleep, but I believe that you also are manifesting some symptoms. Jesse was out literally the second they touched the bed. <laughs> they didn't even lay down. They just like part of their leg touched the bed and just thump, just fell over. So that's that's Misha's evening. Yeah. Ari, if you want to have like an asset at some point in finding a place of the prodigious, we can say that. I actually take this. Yeah, you're at this point, if you ever need to maneuver through the prodigious, you have a much better idea of how it's hallway. Work. Ooh, I like that. And then Shock, what are you and Everett up to all night? I I'm unsure. I, I feel like for at least a little while they end up sitting in uncomfortable silence. Mm -hmm. The Shock doesn't mind sitting in silence with someone, but he gets the impression that Everett doesn't really want this. So eventually Shock will just ask Everett, so so how do you find out about being a nano? He uh, just turns over in his bed. Oh, okay. And you could actually see he shifted his eyes to a point where even though the lights are on, the lights are off in his vision because he can blink and see different uh, realities. Right. Right. The entire segment of this part of the episode is just me going. And extend that by six hours. And there we have Shock's night. <laughs> Shock, when, when it becomes clear that Everett is not going to respond, Shock basically curls up for bed. Shock doesn't have any books. Shit. Shock remembers that this place is terrible. So instead, <laughs> Shock just sort of stares at the wall thinking and like occasionally looks over at Everett, concerned. 
And then for a brief second, you think about that one friend you should be able to see, but haven't been able to for the past couple of days. <sighs> now Shock is going to like roll over and sulk in his bed. Welcome to the announcement break for Quest Friends episode 440, Crime and Courtship Part 5. I am Kyle, your GM, and our intro and outro songs are Friends and Hitoshio, both by Miracle of Sound. Alright, so with today's announcement break, a lot like with last episodes, we're going to actually focus basically the entirety of our time on our Patreon shoutout. I explained last week how you can get these shoutouts by subscribing to us on patreon.com slash questfriends at a $5 level or above. So I'm not going to be meander on that for too much longer, and instead I'm going to get right into it. And instead of me introducing who uh, the two shoutout people are, I'm just going to have the NPCs do it themselves. And, I mean, still, I don't know, I, as I said that, I genuinely thought that's going to be a lot less work for me. And I'm like, wait, no, Kyle, you are the NPCs. Oops. Hi, my name is the Incalculable Quorum of Beneficial Outputs, but you can call me Cubo. My shout-out is for Devin, who can be found on Twitter at comma crazy, comma with a K, but crazy with a C, or on Instagram at Stygiantide. If I mispronounce that second one, you can send complaints to jet.co. Except don't, because it's an actual real website. Devin says that he's not that interested in a shout-out and would rather a spotlight on us and Mandy Robertson. According to my records, Mandy Robertson is the artist who has done the official icon for both the Quest Friends main series and the Cookie Crew side series. In addition to her work on Quest Friends, Mandy works on multiple comics, one of which is going to be kickstarted in July. My statistics show that if you're interested in Quest Friends, you also will have an interest in Mandy Robertson, who you can find on Twitter at Mighty Meller. Hmm. The Cookie Crew. We haven't heard about that in a while. I must do more research to figure out when that might return. Oh, okay. So uh, while Kubo does that, I, Zoe, will do our next shout out. So this is to Kyle Patrick, who is it's underscore ya, which is you but with an A underscore boy. Oh, that one's also misspelled. That one's B O and then I instead of Y. And then Frodis, F-R-O-D-I-S. So it's ya boy Frodis on Instagram. So Kyle says that, oh, he wants me to recommend a book that he really likes. The name of the book series is called Broken Sky, and it's written by Chris Wooding. Apparently, it's a young adult book series, and it's inspired by anime. Uh, Darine never let me watch anime, but I heard it's really cool, and maybe I should go check out this book series so I could get an idea of what it's like. Thanks, Kyle. All right. Thanks so much, Devin and Kyle, for your NPC shoutouts. 
Uh, if you can't support us financially on Patreon, I absolutely understand. Listening is is so much already. Uh, but if you do like the show and you want to support us further, leaving us a review, especially one on iTunes, can be really, really beneficial. All right, that's all I've got for you today. I feel like there was another announcement I need to make, but I, I can't remember right now and I really need to get the episode out. So I'm sure I'll think of it anyway. So anyways... Thanks so much for listening. Our next main series episode will be out on Monday, July 8th. I will see you then. Welcome to Minor Key Radio, the underground radio station for all your illicit student needs. <laughs> Charlotte, I wouldn't say illicit. You're right, Shannon, you're right. I'd say illiterate, because once again, the University of Key's draconian stance on book banning is keeping the students in the dark, which is why we're here to advertise a super fun slumber party, which is also in the dark, I guess, but in a good way. If you're listening to this, you'll know where it is. The code this week is CMSI7650. And don't worry about bringing a pillow. We have so many. No one's here to help us, but we are here to help you. Read the revolution. Friends, The Cookie 2, releasing next week. All right, so Hop, you're, you can't sleep. And there are a whole bunch of reasons you couldn't sleep. There could be the fact that Vespari sleeps with his socks on, his socks that he has worn for days upon days upon days, and his legs are long enough that they dangle right in front of your face. So you'd either have to deal with that or move your head around to the opposite side where the bricks are. <sighs> it could be that. It could be your existential worry about letting down your friends or it could just be that drip, drip, dang drip. But what, what, there are so many things that could keep Hop awake, but what in particular is keeping him awake right now? What's keeping him awake is exhaustion, first of all, because I know it's an oxymoron, but you know when you're just like too tired to fall asleep, your body just like rejects anything that would make it better? He's, he's crossed that point. He's, he's, he's gotten like a second wind, like a sad second wind, and... There's some of that worry from earlier about letting himself down, letting his friends down, feeling like he doesn't deserve this amazing gift and wonderful speech from Misha. He's reliving all of the memories. He's also rereading the letter now that Vespari is asleep. Just going to keep reading that. What do you use as light for that? Oh, he doesn't need it. He's got it memorized. He's just looking at it for old time's sake. <sighs> all right. And finally, you decide to uh, to get up and get some. I wouldn't say get some air. I mean, it's very drafty, so it's not fresh air, but there's definitely a lot of air in the in the hallways. And what sparks that decision? Hopper is staring at the letter, reading it in the dark because he can. And he doesn't mean to make a sound, but he does. One of those like, like he catches himself the last second because he doesn't want to start crying. He's been craving some alone time and he got it a little bit earlier this afternoon, but he's really had to be on for most of the day and it's all catching up to him, but he still can't do that because Vespari is now sleeping in the bunk above him. So as soon as he starts to feel that catch up to him, the physical manifestation of his grief 
he starts beating it back. So he crumples up the letter, shoves it back into his pocket, and then um, goes out. He likes he likes walks. He likes nighttime walks. That's what he's always done. He's just on a ship now. All right, so Hop, you make your way back through the uh, spooky, scary skeleton hallway. I couldn't think of a word that started with an S quickly enough. You make your way down the creepy crawly hallway. The horror hall- hallway. There, I did it. Good, wor- good work. You should, you found one word that matched the hallway. <laughs> so you make, uh, you make your way down the hallway and you start to hear that cart sound again. You know, that echoey like and it's getting louder and louder and i guess probably because you're not even really thinking about it you're actually getting drawn closer and closer to it like it's you're just naturally going because that's the way something is and in this darkness something is i mean better than the void of nothing so you hear it and and you start to notice that even though it is oppressively dark down here it's starting to get a lot brighter and it's starting to get a fuck ton hotter you round the corner at one point and you see what basically looks like an open furnace. So it's like very bright and hot and the very thin walls of the prodigious seem to have been like knocked down. So there's like this double door, except it's really just an archway because, again, the door has been knocked open and you can faintly hear some cussing from inside. This is still like a workshop. I don't know. You can't you can't quite see. And you've just rounded the corner and you can like vaguely you can just like see the light and the uh, the hallway because, you know, this is the brightest light you've seen in a while. So your eyes are kind of adjusting. But as they adjust, you can actually see there is some like there's some mechanic stuff in there there's tubes tubes are mechanical there's lots of metal tubes well done hopper would stand there for a second blinking as his eyes adjust to the light but he doesn't really want to go anywhere that people are so he would like turn and walk the other way is the thing (laughs) i know i'm making this more difficult for you as dm no it's it's fine i got it the ground rocks a little bit and you hear what almost sounds like an explosion if there's an explosion, yeah, Hop's gonna run in there to make sure whoever's in there is fine. <laughs> so he like turns to walk down the other corridor and then the explosion happens behind him and he does that like, oh God, where cartoons like flinch at a loud noise behind them. And then he'll turn around and he will peek his head into the room. All right. So what you see is a mess, a mess of tubes and wires, a mess of wooden workbenches. In the center, there's this giant glow. It almost looks like the Epcot globe. Throughout the workstations, you see a bunch of uh, paraphernalia. In between tools and uh, trinkets, you see some unique uh, ciphers and, and more personal objects. You see a small glass orb with copper bracing and a wind-up toy uh, side component. You see an orange sash, which look like, I would say, hexagonal yellow patches on it, almost like uh, the parts of a honeycomb. You see what looks like a hastily opened care package, and spilling out of it, you see these dis disgusting, sharp, lime green cookies that almost look like someone took a Dorito, like three Doritos and arranged them into like a throwing star. But while you see all these things, the biggest thing you hear is the swearing. Ah, fucking hell, piss shit, goddamn fucking piece of crap and junk. I fucking, I will, if you don't blow me up, I'm going to blow you up first, fucking pizza. Uh, excuse me, sorry, sorry, I I, I don't want to bother you, but I heard the um explosion, and I knew someone was in here because I also heard you cursing before then. Uh, I just wanted, is everything okay? And in response to your words, the cussing just suddenly stopped. 
and then you see a hand just emerge from underneath the globe and it just beckons towards you and says, hey, hey, uh, you. Hopper like points to himself and then realizes that they can't see him pointing to himself and then just puts his hands back down. And the hand, I guess, says, hey, uh, uh, get me, get me the thing. Uh, the, the, the thing on the floor? No, not, not the what's it, not the nozzle, the thing. The, the, the thing, the thing. And the hand starts gesturing vaguely in the corner of what looks like to be a pile of half a dozen things. Hopper grabs all half a dozen things in his arms and then takes them over to where the hand is beckoning and says, uh, I, is it one of these that, that you want? Uh, the hand just starts reaching out and it, uh, starts like just patting around your hand and then it grabs just a screwdriver and says, thank you, and goes back under. And you just start hearing like, you know in comics where it's like a like just really loud mechanical sounds? You start to hear a series of them and then just the orb just starts popping and it looks like you can see little crevices. It looks like fire starting to spew out of it and it like explodes and then implodes. Explodes and then goes back. Explodes and then goes back. And then Hopper will jump back at the first like explosion. I imagine he's standing near He's just trying to like catch a glimpse of who's down there. And when the person takes the screwdriver. The, the thing, Hallie. It's called a thing. He The thing. God, he will put the rest of the five things on the floor nicely. He doesn't know. No, the other five objects. You gave the hand the thing. Those are just objects. Hopper puts the other five objects on the floor and then sticks his head in. I imagine that because it's like explosion implosion, he like sticks it and then pulls it back. I'm moving my head. He he like sticks it and then pulls his head back and then sticks it and then pulls his head back. He's like, hey, sorry, but are you you didn't answer my question. Uh, are you are you OK? And then suddenly it gets very silent and you hear a tick, 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 tick. Ah, well, that's not good. And I need you to roll speed defense. <laughs> and in fact, I need you to roll it twice. No. Okay, Hopper, you'll be fine. Hopper will be fine. I feel nauseous. Okay, the first one was a five, but the second one was a 17. Okay, cool. So, Hopper, you are knocked onto the ground and you actually face plant for two points of might damage as a creeper slides out from underneath the uh the globe and just knocks into you what is a creeper a creeper is the thing that like um mechanics use when they go underneath cars it's the little rolly thing they lie on their backs and slide on i thought a minecraft monster was attacking me (laughs) i also thought you were saying that we were literally in minecraft you had an explosion and also associate creeper with that you had to know what you were doing okay so one of those just wax hop in the face and he and he hits and he hits the ground and as you look up you can see that the creeper is starting to transform itself so its components are going up and they're combining to take a different shape and it looks like they're taking the form of a crudely taped together wheelchair and you can see a woman probably in her mid to late 20s is sitting inside of that wheelchair and as soon as you register that you can see a giant claw arm move on one of the runners of the ceiling hook itself into the back of the chair and pull it up and the chair starts swinging around this globe pieces of uh, mechanical hardware are flying in and out of it you can see this hand on the back of it is reaching down and just grabbing objects things and what's it do's and uh, whatchamacallits from the ground and handing it into this woman's hand she is just fervently working on the device as i said this woman is about i'd say 26 years old her brown eyes are narrowed in fierce concentration beneath scraggly caramel hair that's hastily pushed back and her mouth curls back into a dimple accentuated smirk 
And yeah, and she continues just buzzing around trying to fix this machine that is ticking louder and faster. What does Hop think? How does he respond? Hopper gets up from the floor, like kind of rubbing his face a little bit from where the creeper hit it. And he like looks up at this woman again and says, excuse me, I, I don't know if I can, but is there something that I can help with? What? Oh yeah, no, no, get, uh, get, get, get chitters out of the pot. Chitters? Yeah. And she points towards what looks like a little bit of a, a broiler. Well, there was a noun this time. So he gets up and goes over to the to the actual... Uh, not a broiler. It's more like, you know, like those... Uh, like it's like an exhaust pipe. And you can just see the butt of this tiny furry creature just stuck inside of it. Hopper like knocks on the side of the pipe really gently to see if he can just get it to get out of there on its own. <laughs> You hear uh, a lot of uh, what a lot of trilling, a lot of uh, chittering, so to speak, echoing from inside the pipe. But uh, this thing is like its legs are flailing, but it does not seem like it's able to get out. Okay, so it seems like it's actually stuck, not just in the pipe. Yeah, it's actually stuck. Okay, so now that he realizes it's actually stuck, Hopper will feel more comfortable taking like a firmer approach with it. So he'll like touch it a little bit and pet it to be like. I'm a friendly person. And then gently tug, I guess. All right. Give me a uh, might roll. An eight. Uh, you pull and it's like, <laughs> and it, it, it starts getting out and it feels a little alarmed, not pained, but alarmed at first when you're pulling. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, who wouldn't be? But eventually it's like panic combined with your pulling and the fact that it's just exhaling so much because it's making so much like mouth noise. <laughs> God, mouth noise. Good one. <laughs> this thing pops out and it lands on your shoulder. And as it pops out, this plume of smoke starts shooting out of the pipe and it angrily and like aggressively kicks the thing, like almost mad at it. And then the pipe simmers down again. Uh, and this thing, which is on your shoulder, then immediately reaches around and wraps its arms around you in a hug in what feels like a warm blanket. Aww. You would recognize this thing called Chitters as a trilling cuddler. Trilling cuddlers are uh, genetically engineered animals that basically look like sugar gliders that are about the size of a chinchilla. If, as a listener, you don't know what a sugar glider is, look it up now. For the love of God, look it up now. They're like, uh, how would you describe a sugar glider, Emily? I guess they're like a little bit like a chipmunk, but with extra big eyes, and they have skin and fur attaching their front and back legs together that they can use as like little wings to go glide. <laughs> they hop. And they are, as Hop has just learned, very good cuddlers. So the smoke would have done right in their faces, right? Uh, yeah. So Hopper's... <coughs> <laughs> and then kind of like he doesn't he isn't sure which side the sugar glider is on not the sugar glider the um trilling cuddler trilling cuddler and when he finds it on his shoulder he'll like pat it a little bit and be like hey y'all y'all right you good it just and it hugs you a little bit more and then it hears a couple of bangs from the uh from the giant orb and it starts going and it starts whistling again, and it glides up. It jumps and glides up onto the side of the woman's chair. All right, Chitters, you got to grab that. All right, move that there. All right, climb around on the other side. Okay, three, two, one, and... And you see them both nail in two sides of it. And then a third nail pops out. And uh, she's like, oh, shit. She goes down to the third nail, hammers it in. The other two come out. Oh, 
fuck, this is the piss. This is not good. All right, uh, 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 all right, um, and she she just starts snapping and points to you again. Uh, Simon. Yeah, okay, um, could you grab the, uh, the, the, uh... Grab grab something. Not a thing, just something. Just anything. So, so uh, grab it and can you just uh whack on the snail when I say so? Uh yeah, so not not the screwdriver? I'm not sure what you're talking about. Just grab anything. Okay. That was a look to the camera in the in the in the pause to respond. And then he will grab he's looking for a hammer of some kind, because presumably to nail a hammer in, I mean to hammer a nail in, that is what you would need. Yeah, he picks up the hammer. It's placed precariously close to the cookies and seems to have some of their crumbs on it, as if it was used for some purpose related to them. Hopper wipes it on his pajama pants and then goes <laughs> to help. Alright, three, two, one. And then do you hammer it in? Yeah, I hammer it in. I'm helping. And on three, two, one, and you all hammer it in. And the ticking stops. <laughs> yes, another day where the engine doesn't kill us all. Good work, everyone. And the the arm puts the woman down and she uh, starts moving on over to the box of cookies. And she says, oh, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for helping me. I really appreciate that. Uh, do you want anything? And she motions uh, the box of cookies towards you. Yeah. What are those? Oh, they're uh, cookies. Snapoas. All the tart. All the pleasure. OK, he says skeptically and then we'll accept a Snapoa. All right. Do you bite into it? Yeah. I can just hold a cookie after taking it. He's going to eat it. Cool. It is all of the tart, yes, but none of the pleasure. So Hopper, like, not wanting to be rude, has, like, in his mouth, and he's trying to hold it in there as long as he can so the saliva eradicates any taste of it before he has to swallow it. And then he does, and he's like, where'd you get these? Oh, I uh, just old family recipe. They don't want to use it anymore, but I'm insisting. This is, this is a big thing. These, these could save the world someday. The, these specifically? <laughs> Eh, well, I mean, not these, because, you know, they're going to be gone after about uh, a few days or so. And she goes and she uh, goes back to the engine. She starts thoughtfully chewing on one of the Snapoas. And she actually bites into it. And you can hear like a little tink because Snapoas are also too hard to eat. So she just like takes out the uh, she grabs the hammer and hammers off a little piece and thoughtfully sticks it into her mouth. Oh, my God. I love it so much. I hate it, but I love it. She's found the only way to eat Snapoas. Honestly, I can't fucking believe they put a, a, a stinking time bomb as our engine here. This thing could blow up any second. I spent half my time down here just trying to make sure it doesn't fry us all. Yeah, about that. Is the engine that's driving the whole ship going to be okay? Because you said it was like the fourth time you'd had to fix it. We've only been in the air for half a day. Oh, well, I mean, like, uh, uh... I mean, I fit. I mean, I did fit. The, <laughs> what you're saying implies that I fixed it four times. So you know, I fixed it four times. That's true. I did say that. <laughs> All right. Well, if you ever need any help, my name's Simon. Uh, it was nice to meet you. Uh, if you ever need any, I, I'm not. I'm not a mechanic or anything. But um, if you need help making sure the ship doesn't explode, I, I'd be glad to do my part. What I can. Oh, 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 oh! Shit! I always do this. I always do this. <sighs> Rule of etiquette number one. Always make sure you get everyone's names. I'm so sorry. It's uh, it's nice to meet you, Simon. And she extends her hand and then whips it back. And she says, no, no, I no, I got to do it formally first. And then she uh, <clears throat> straightens up, coughs out a little bit and extends her hand very formally with the pinky raised. 
Princess Seraphinia Delilah Willow Brackleberry. But uh, you can just call me Sarah. Ellie, you also cannot sleep. And there are a variety of reasons that you could not be sleeping. But the two big ones are the quiet, the loneliness, unlike the bunk bedded rooms of all the uh, of all your companions. Your room is completely isolated by yourself. Hops has character. Yours is character less. It's like a very fancy. It's like a sci fi hotel room, all very smooth corners. It's quiet and it's empty and it's lonely. But simultaneously, you're pretty sure that this extremely cushy, fluffy bed is trying to suffocate you because you've sunk probably three feet down into this very cushiony mattress as you are, again, half metal. So how how is Ellie dealing with this bout of insomnia? <sighs> way down into the mattress she's really upset she's super nauseous and she can't sleep so she will oh yeah how are you getting on with the awareness that you are in an airship that could crash at any second how's ellie getting along with that i didn't even remember that let's let's dig into this very specific fear of airboats yeah let's dig into it she's terrified <laughs> it's like a boat but in the air and this terrible mattress is making it worse because it's reminding her of clouds. They look so soft and fluffy, and then you sink right through them as the boat crashes, and you fall through the air and die. Counterpoint, though, sinking in the ship, drowning, long and bad. Falling off an airship, splat, and you're done. The fall is long. Yeah, but... But think of all the scenery you get to see. <laughs> do, 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 do. <gasps> Falling is very fucking horrifying. Unsafe. In any case, probably all of these things are going through Ellie's mind. It's just just the podcast quest, friends. Just us talking about this runs through her mind. <laughs> More like these are the ways to die. These are the horrifying things to think about. Man, I hate boats. Man, I'm gonna puke. Man, can I breathe in this mattress? No. The answer is no. I think the sounds I made at the beginning when you asked what Ellie was doing and how she was coping, part of it is like the I'm upset and so I'm gonna groan, but part of it is her little petty rebellion against this nice room that she has because it makes her feel kind of gross and it makes her feel like she needs to reassert her toughness and like her rough and tumble nature that is threatened by this fancy bed. Also, it might be loud enough to wake up and upset nearby people who are also living in fancy rooms. Oh no, you're you're real deep into this mattress. <laughs> Inside this mattress, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> <laughs> How does Ellie get out of this bed? I'm very curious. She already illegally made her way onto this ship. They don't have any way to take her money, probably. So she's just gonna shred her way out of the mattress. 
feathers fly everywhere. Emily, these are actually Jetco-proof fawfers. They're artificially created feathers that can be used to generate other feathers. Uh, so fathers <laughs> fly everywhere. No! She finally frees herself and flops face first onto the floor in relief. The floor is a little more comfortable, but she doesn't want to hang out in that room right now. She can't sleep. She doesn't feel well. And she's getting grumpier by the second looking at the clean. All right. So Ellie, in an attempt to escape the clean, goes to her door. And I need you to roll perception. Apparently, when I don't have pre-written descriptions, I just make people roll perception a lot. Is something I've learned today. I mean, it's a good stalling tactic. 11. All right, so, yeah, you can't find the door. It's just very plain walls. And eventually you start slamming around. And then you remember, crap, my ID. And your ID just slides out of your pocket and it hits the panel. It hits the wall. And just the sci-fi Star Trek doors open up again. And you stumble your way out into the hallway. And uh, Star Trek is kind of really an apt comparison for these hallways. They feel disturbingly sci-fi or like this is a deep cut, but Camino from Star Wars where everything is kind of this like shiny white and there's just like this very faint ambient light. And it's like, mm. actually, if you saw uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, anyone who's seen that, it's like uh, Ego's ship that he flies in. It's all just like very smooth and very organic and, and very just like nice and like a nice glowing, calming, bluish white. It's terrible. It is Blue not makes calming. you think of the ocean. <laughs> um, anyways, what are, what are you kind of doing as you make your way through these halls? So she'll kind of have her hand on the wall and like move it along as she walks, like just as a as a stability thing. And then... I'm assuming that this ship, you can't actually, like, feel it turning and moving, correct? Uh, they try to make it very smooth up here on, on the first deck, where all well, the professors and the seniors live. She thinks she can feel it moving. Okay. And so she'll get kind of wobbly sometimes. Wait, wait a second. Sorry, I, you could have sworn you saw that, that magenta before. Probably nothing. Anyways, what's, what's Ellie feeling? Any color that had been in Ellie's face has drained from it. Why are those... No, 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 no. Why are those footsteps... Like, just the way you can hear these footsteps methodically moving through the halls. Like, they... they, they On the tip of your tongue, they feel so familiar, right? <sighs> like, you haven't heard it exactly, but they, they, they feel... They sound like a walk that you've seen. I mean, it's a silly thing to say, but I don't... Anyways, keep going. Ellie's nausea is no longer from feeling airsick, and she is not sure what's going on exactly, but she's getting really, really worried. Excuse me, do you need help? Well, now that, that voice you definitely recognize. <sighs> I'm sorry, just one sec. <sighs> and as you turn around, you see the puzzled face of a gorgeous woman in her mid-sixties. She has a cleft lip and long curly hair. She stands in a perfect posture that she's broken to lean over to you to make sure you're alright. And she is wearing a professional coat over a comfortable magenta dress. And as soon as she sees you, that well-maintained posture breaks.
Ellie, how do you respond to seeing Ray again? For a second, she'll meet Ray's eyes, and then her eyes will dart away, and then I'll look back, and then I'll look away. Ray. You can see that she is looking not at your eyes, but your hat. Her hand is fidgeting with one of the buttons on her coat, and she's just counting. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three candles. Shit. And she stands up and she starts pacing back and forth. Her hand is on her chin and she's fidgeting. She's like, no, 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 no. I tried to solve this once before, not again. No, 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 no. And she turns over and she points to you. And then she starts pacing back. She's like, no, 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 no. And you can see for a second her brain goes, maybe. And she's like, no, 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 no. Okay, so, uh, so who is that for? No, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Told myself I wasn't going to solve it. Wasn't going to solve it. Nope. You told yourself you weren't going to solve a puzzle? Sorry. Don't. mm, No. No. No to you either. No, no, no. No, no. So it was the child and the husband and the no, no. Don't need to. Who told you? It only took a few years to figure out, okay? It was, it was nothing. You don't need to know about how I know, okay? So, Ellie, despite her horror, there's this little part of her that will once in a while manage to take over that's really, like, like, she loves this. She thinks it's really funny. And so she's trying really hard to, like, control her emotions, and usually it's trying to push back the horror, but once in a while, she'll be trying to push back a smirk, but she still can't say anything. A little teasing remark slipped out earlier, but now she's back to not knowing what to do with herself. Ray, meanwhile, is, she's used to maintaining her posture, so now she needs a brace, because she normally, you know, can maintain it, but she just can't. So she's trying to lean against the walls, and they're so slippery, she's sliding down, and she's thinking out loud between a series of no-no-nos. Why are you even, no, I do not need to know. I, I need, I need, I need a thinking chair. I need to get my rocker. Nope, nope, I need to get into my painted wood chair. No, no, the tall one. I need the tall chair. That's the one I need. And she starts walking off to herself saying that. Ray. And then you hear as the steps come back and she starts like, she's like, all right, now you do this and you do this. And she starts like, she kind of like lifts you up and like adjusts your posture a little bit and like is like, all right, brace your legs out. And she just like quickly, without you even registering what's going on, like helps you adjust your posture so that you're able to rock adjustingly with the float. All right. With all of that, you should be able to stand perfectly safe. Uh, be perfectly good. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Pleasure seeing you. No, not. No, no. Mm. And she walks off and around the corner. She, she's still really pretty. <laughs> Thank you.
also was Ray's response okay, even though I just kept on saying no repeatedly. It was amazing. It was very good. It was very good. Yeah, because Ray feels, you can tell that she's composed basically all the time, except for that time. And it's great. Oh, yeah. Did anyone else notice just Hallie's sadistic grin the entire scene? I noticed. I noticed that. The one time Hallie's gotten to watch someone else suffer. I really enjoyed it. I'm very invested in 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 Relly. <laughs> El Rey. Vespari is immediately biased towards anyone he knows knows shock, but he doesn't know that Hop knows shock, so they can form a genuine roommate ship. Sure, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> He's not even a student. Why is he here? <laughs> I don't understand. I could hear I could hear Kyle's voice through the wall, so I knew who it was going to be. I could also hear his <laughs> voice through your walls. And I was like, no. Who are you? <laughs> no one. Don't worry about it. 